He pioneered Jets blogging and podcasting. He brought smiles to the faces of Jets fans all over the world. He was there through the good and bad. And then, one day... He vanished. People far and wide wondered, where has he gone? When will he return? Thankfully, the answer is... Now! The OG of Jets podcasting and blogging is back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. This is There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett. I'm back. The real me. Let's not, not make a whole thing of it. And his co-hosts, Chef Travis Milton. Today we're going to be making the students my tasty baked ziti with basil and fresh mozzarella. And Josh Conrad. Oh, my brother, testify. On Turn on the Jets Digital. Welcome back to There's Always Next Year. I'm your host, Brian Bassett. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. With me today is Josh Conrad, who you can find on Twitter at Josh underscore Conrad. Travis Milton is in the wind. We don't know. He could be doing a photo shoot for his food, or he could be meeting with the Department of Labor, or who, who knows what, or flying on a private jet to... To Dubai, I don't know, but but regardless, Josh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm also pretty concerned. Maybe Travis is stuck in like some Nike warehouse somewhere, buying every pair of never released Air Jordans or something like that. It's possible. I'm doing well. Our our uh, you know, as we've chronicled on this podcast this season, uh, my wife and I had twins in the off season. August eighth, we had twin boys that were born, and last night, I am pleased to announce to our audience. They slept through the night for the very first time. It's a brave new world, ladies and gentlemen. I'm well-rested, ready to roll. I remember, I didn't have twins, and it's amazing to me that twins would sleep through the night on the same night. That is fascinating to me. But I, I do remember only having one first child. When I had that one first child, I literally woke up, and like it was, yeah, 6.15 or 6 o'clock or whatever the time was, and my first thought was, oh, my God, my son is dead. Like, that was my the first thought out of my head. And then I ran to the crib, and there he was, sleeping away, no problem. So I'm excited. I'm excited that it happened on the same night. That is – I think this is going to be – you're going to have, like, the twins that are going to always be wearing the same clothes and, like, you know, saying the same things. Maybe that – is this an indication? Do we think of what they're going to be personality-wise? Yeah, no, so so one of our sons, he's actually been doing this for a couple of nights now. He's, he's we, we started a just a new like sleep training regimen on Friday this past Friday night, um, and so they uh, one of them has like taken to it really well. The other one's been you know up at like one fifteen, up at two forty five, up at three three fifty. Like you know he's been kind of like, like sporadically sleeping through the night with a couple of people. Okay. So one of them has been leading the charge. The other one's been woefully. Trailing behind him, so we have already determined who our favorite son is. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. We love, of course, of course. Um, but yeah, no. And listen, we know it won't happen every night. And parents out there, if you've got any tricks for making sure that they stay down through the night um, legally, of course, I'm not going to drug my children. Let me know um, if you got any of that. Hit me up on Twitter. Would love to know how you kept your children asleep after the they started sleeping through the night. That would be really, really helpful for us. Well, I have the the Jets uh, fell uh, fell asleep on Sunday, and we'll get to that in a second. But Ooh. I have one more. I have one more twin question. Having twins, like, can you 
Like, when they were born, how soon could you tell the difference between them? Do you have, like, did you just sharpie a kid's foot with, like, a black black sharpie so you know which one's which? How can you tell the difference? Because I don't know that I could. Yeah, so really early on, like, the first couple of days, um, one of our sons had, like, jet black hair, and the other one had very, very light blonde hair. And so we were like, okay, this makes it easy. Now, what got tricky is, like, a week in, the jet black haired son, his name is Leo, his jet black hair started falling out. And so then for like about a week or two, like you had to really look at them and really like decide which one was which. And then, you know, like their, their personalities, they're, they're not identical. So of course, as they've grown up a little bit, now we clearly know which one's which, but yeah, those early days, there's that thing in you as a parent of like, uh, which one are you? Like, which right. child did, what did I name you? We never, we never had to resort to sharpies or painting a, a toenail or anything like that. Yeah, there were certainly some precarious days. Of, <laughs> like you look down and you go, "Oh, I didn't think I thought I was holding the other one this whole time," and you realize you're holding the other one. So, oh man, um, it's a, it's a real, I'd say it's a real M Night Shyamalan la 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 situation there. So, but uh, that, that's good. That's good. I'm I'm glad because that that is one of the things. It just occurred to me as we were talking. Like, oh my gosh, I need to tell them apart. Okay, good to know. I probably would have had a Sharpie and been sharpieing my kid's foot for, for the, f- from day one. Anyway, um, that's maybe something between me and the uh, Department of uh, Social Services. So let's talk about the Titans and the Jets. You watch the game, you listen to the game, whatever, however you're consuming the game. Like, early on, hey, feeling really good. Look at this team intercepting pass, blocking punts, blocking kicks, Long kickoff returns. You know, there's some good play in there, certainly some shaky stuff too, but you kind of watch the first half or the first, you know, half and a, and a little bit into the second quarter. It's so frustrating. And the current Jets head coach, Todd Bowles, said that, you know, this quote, this game will stick with me the rest of my life. I think it should because it, it was one of those games where they were trying to give it away in the end. Like the the Titans were trying to give away the game, and the Jet, and then the Jets were like, no, 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 we are not winning this game. We, how dare you? Uh, we will clutch defeat from the jaws of victory. What, what was your reaction as you kind of consume oh, and watch the this, game? The same thing, you know. Honestly, early on, now that now that this season is, you know, we're officially out of playoff contention and everything. Right. Obviously, the your desire starts turning toward the draft, and you, you know, I, I am the fan who will root for my team to lose if it means a better draft pick in the long run. So, you know, we can have that debate. But I early on in the game felt like, wow, oh, you know, Tremaine, Tremaine's making a big play, and we're we're moving the ball pretty well in the in the second half. It's been the first and second quarter, and then obviously the second half is a completely different story. And so, while you're excited to see some progress, there was that little five percent of me that's like, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they choked this game away. Um, now, at the same time, like, obviously, to do it that way, to, to get up 16 nothing, and then really just get torched the rest of the game, you know, giving up just points and just terrible long drives, and, you know, it's all the, way that, all the ways that the, the Jets choked that game away. You know, the frustrating part, and, and I understand from Todd Bowles, it's going to stay with me for a long time, and I think for him it felt like probably a nail in, in the coffin kind of a game that maybe mm-hmm. if, if he had turned this – team around a little bit in the next couple of weeks and showed some signs of life. Maybe it meant he's not going to ultimately get removed from that position, but it, it was he at least that. makes a case, right? Like he at least makes a case for why he could stay because he kept the team or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I think, I think Morris Claiborne is still chasing Taewon Taylor. It's three. Oh my gosh. And he, I think he's still chasing Taewon Taylor. That like, 
that happened. It was like there was the one shot where it was a miss, and then they go back again and they hit him, and then they go back again and they hit him, and you're like, you are kidding me. Someone get over the top of this guy, please. And they just couldn't do it. No, and it it felt like all day that it's Marcus Mariota. I mean, I think he threw somewhere in the vicinity of 290 yards, something like that. Yeah. A bunch of completions. It's every time. 282, 282 with two touchdowns, one interception, was sacked three times. Right, yeah. They were certainly getting after him. I mean, they couldn't do anything on the ground. He was probably, you know, I, I don't. I mean, I remember a couple of, of larger runs that he ripped off, but yeah. it just felt like it was such a one-dimensional offense that, like, man, we can't, like, we figure this out for one half. We can't put two halves together of shutting down this offense, like, it just felt so, it felt like, they, like, you're right, the Taiwan Taylor plays felt like, it's like you're playing your nephew in Madden, and he just wants to throw the ball deep and see what he can get done, and, like, right. when it hits, you're like, you've got to be kidding me, because I knew this was coming the whole time. Right, and I think, yeah, that's the thing, where when something happens, and you see what they're setting it up for, what they could go back to, it was just, you know, an overthrown ball into the end zone the first time. And then they do it again, and, and it's like, okay, can you just not defend it? Is it just – and maybe that's it. You know, Maybe Marcus May, you know, unable to go, like that certainly limits their their abilities there. But you also have to know they're looking for that. And for as rough as a season as Marcus Mariota has had, like he's a good – I still believe he's a good quarterback. I think this year was supposed to be the – like the Marcus Mariota leap year, and it didn't happen – but and I think you know a lot of that has to do with the elbow and the you know, the nerve nerve injury and the stinger and like all that kind of stuff. All that. That said, Marcus Mariota is setting himself up for what I would say next year is going to be the leap year for him. And so what we're seeing down the stretch from him is, hey, he's not terrible. Uh, he he's actually a decent quarterback here. People had had their doubts on him for a little bit, and so the fact that the Jets could not put a game plan together for him is was, was troubling for me and yeah if that that kind of eventually he just wore them down with those bombs and i mean that's fun it's funny that we that i think about that because i only got to go to a couple days of training camp when they came down to the washington camp in richmond and that was one of the biggest things that washington was doing to the jet secondary when they were kind of drilling against each other was they would just bomb it out on the Jets, and they just kept completing it, and they were making, you know, their fourth and fifth receivers look like they looked amazing, and and the Jets, meanwhile, struggled. And so now we're starting to, we have seen it play out over the course of the season, and, right, Bulls just hasn't had an answer. And so I think it's frustrating because now, as I think about this team and the way that game went, I'm thinking about what do the last games look like, and I think we're cer- the team is certainly in bunker mode. Would you agree? Like, did you see a team, a Jets team that had given up, or did you just see a Jets team that couldn't keep up? Yeah, no, they just felt outgunned to me. I don't know that they. I don't know that this team typically feels like they've given up. I think other teams, and I think you know, even the, I watched some of the Packer Packers Cardinals game on Sunday, and that team, and that Packer team, right before Mike McCarthy got fired, seemed to be a team that just gave up. They just didn't care. Third and twenty three, and they're you know throwing right. two yard outs, and you know this team does feel like they want to play, they want to compete. I think we've got and even a guy like Josh McCown for you know the longevity of his career without you know really ever being a top quarterback is just a guy that keeps you in games. He's going to put you in positions to win games. And to me, it didn't feel like they were giving up. I mean, they were moving the ball. It just, every time it felt like, 
we're going to end this with a Jason Myers field goal again. And so five field goals on a day, which is good movement of the football, but not resulting in touchdowns. And so it doesn't feel to me like a team that's given up. It just felt, we just felt outgunned, outmanned, and it just felt like at the end of the day, we, we didn't have a, a decent game plan to defensively in the second half. I know we've talked about it all year. It feels like the scheme was just off a little bit and just felt like in the second half, you know, we don't make any, any halftime adjustments and drives ending with field goals are not going to win games in the NFL. Yeah, and clearly we didn't because, I mean, did I, I'm not looking at it right now, but did the Jets even score in the second half? I can't even remember. Yeah, they got – I think they had two field goals in the third in the Okay, third. that was – okay, right. They had the two field goals in the third quarter. It was 16 – it was 16-6 at the half. They have the two field goals and then nothing in the fourth quarter where, you know, the Titans scored most of their points and the Jets just had no answers for them. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it just felt <laughs> – the second half felt longer than it actually was. But, yes, and so I think question to, – to your point now is, you know, what – what does what happens with this team going forward? So transitioning now to we're going to try out a new segment with Josh Conrad called the comments section. Sometimes my fans leave some very interesting comments on my page, and I'm going to read them to you. Welcome to the new segment, everybody. We're going to go away from emojis for a while. I, you know, every single week it feels like there's quotes or there's comments or there's things that are happening coming out of out of the games and um, if you're a Jet fan you obviously heard Todd Bowles um, comments after the game fuming and this game will stay with me for a long time um, hidden a little bit were Jamal Adams responses on Tuesday uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday and so yesterday he's talking to the fan and said this quote if something in life is going wrong and you don't fix the problem you just sit there and let it continue to be a problem it's not going to change there needs to be changes um, and then after after that kind of alluded to as well and, and had one more sentence. This is the one I want to talk about. He said, there are other problems in that building. I feel for Todd Bowles. Um, now, those comments are really telling to me. It really, you know, Jamal's been outspoken all year. I wouldn't even say outspoken. I like that he is going to stick up and, and, and you know. He's been, think, he's been blindly loyal, which is a good thing, I would say, yeah. sometimes for a player. Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, even that comment, though, is really, we've been talking about it for weeks on this podcast, you know, other guys in, uh, on the Turn, Turn on the Jets podcast network have been talking about this as well, that problems in the building Jamal's talking about just seems to be not even ineptitude in the front office. It just feels like no one knows who's in charge. No one knows structurally what the organization is doing, where we're going, what power decisions being made. And so, you know, I know every week, week in, week out in this six-week um, long losing streak that it seems like every week Todd Bull should be fired, and yet he's not being fired because I don't actually think people know who would do the hiring and firing right now in that office. And so, you know, when Jamal says there's other problems in that building, maybe he's talking about McCabin, maybe he's talking about the ownership, uh, Chris Johnson, you know, there's, there's certainly... Yeah, I, I would say, to me, to me, that sounds like the executive office. What he is alluding to, to me, is, is right, if he's basically saying, I feel bad for Todd Bowles, we all feel bad for Todd Bowles because he is bad at his job. Um, we're, we're also mad and frustrated, and, and he, just because we feel bad about something, mean that then we keep that person in that position, right? There's this concept called the Peter Principle of organizations. The bottom line of the Peter Principle is that you are elevated to your level of incompetence, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so the concept there is that Todd Bowles is the exemplification of the Peter Principle, right? He is an amazing defensive coordinator, but when you ask him to take over the head coaching role for a team, no good. Rex Ryan, same thing. 
we could probably go back as many coaches in the league where the Peter principle applies. So the point is what makes you a good defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator does not make mean you're a good head coach. So I'm going away on a tangent and that's why people say like, well, who should we hire? Or, you know, John Harbaugh, like, oh, he's a special teams coach or what has he done in Baltimore? Like, but some people have the temperament to be head coaches and they might not be good coordinators, and that's that's fine. But so so being a good coordinator does not mean you're going to be a good head coach. That's number one. Number two, um, same thing's true for for general managers, right? Some people who are good at scouting or player personnel or whatever are raised to general managerial positions, and they're not good at it. And there's only few of them. And what makes you a good scout does not make you a good general manager, right? If you're good at finding college players or kind of uh, banging on the table for this person or that person, at the end of the day, you're not the only one making that decision, right? And so so whether it's the general manager position, Josh, or whether it's ownership or it's, um, you know, kind of some of the vice presidents, I get the sense that Jamal Adams is talking about those folks. And I would agree. I think many of them are either trying to hold control of the team or incompetent in their, in their roles. What do you, is that what you think? Certainly. I think, I think Jamal is seeing things and probably, you know, listen, he's, he's probably with Todd Bowles often. I mean, Todd Bowles defensive coach. I think he's, he's keyed in definitely more defensively than he is offensively. And so I think if they're spending a good amount of time together and Todd Bowles is sharing with Jamal or Jamal's just observing them, you know, on his, on his own observations that I think, I certainly agree that the Peter principle is in play in this case. You know, I, I think, you know, even when, when, when Jet fans start talking about who's the next guy they want to have hired, and, and then they start talking about guys like Mike McCarthy and, and John Harbaugh and, you know, these other potential cast-offs and, you know, guys that have been fired or will be fired from their jobs, um, I, away from the coordinator thing, I think there's a little bit of just, just that, you know, the pendulum has swung back for Jet fans to get back to a guy who's done this at a successful level instead of just the hot shot. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about John Filippo, which I know a lot of people are high on. Maybe a guy like Lincoln Riley would be interested in jumping up to the pros or um, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, forget his name. But, Beyond, I mean, you know, just a, Beyond, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just a couple of guys that have been coordinators of the places, which to be in a successful organization doesn't necessarily mean you will be successful. I think we see that with Todd Bowles, that he left the Cardinals, he and Bruce Arians running a lot of that team together and then leaves there, comes to the Jets, and doesn't excel in this position. And so, you know, I think I go back and forth personally, but, you know, I think that the principle certainly is at play here, and I think we're going to see a return potentially. But, again, it depends on who's making the decisions. And so, you know, if it's Christopher Johnson making decisions, if Woody's involved at any point here coming back as an ambassador, whatever the situation is going to look like, you know, we first have to decide who the decision makers are and then from there decide just which stream do they want to live in. Do they want to live still in the, let's get the up-and-coming offensive mind? Do we want to go um, with a proven guy like John Harbaugh, which maybe you know what his ceiling is, but it's still certainly higher than the ceiling of the last, you know, few Jets coaches anyway. So, um, but yeah, the, the decision makers in the room are going to be the first ones that are going to matter. Um, you know, I also think with the Peter principle, um, it's interesting because sometimes it doesn't apply in, in the case of, our president. <laughs> that sometimes ineptitude does really rise to the top and gets to go even higher than potentially he should. That's your political oh, rant wow. for the day. Find me on Twitter. I'm sure you would love to argue with me. Uh, let's make the Jets great again. That's all I'm trying to say. But, 
Pre- President Camacho in 2020. That's all, yes. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. President I mean, Camacho in 2020. Um, <laughs> go watch go watch Idiocracy if you haven't seen it, because we are headed towards President Camacho. Fair enough. All right, so we've read between the lines. I do – you talked about some of the names. I am actually in my almost non-existent spare time trying to build my Opus article, which is Brian making the case for – running the Jets organization and all the moves he would make and the people that he would consider. Uh, it'll probably be a 20,000-word article. I don't know, but we'll, 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 we'll see where it ends up. I am, I am hopeful that I can get it up on Jets Fix at the end of this week. But, so stay tuned for that. Look on Twitter if I, if I get a chance to post that. But one of the people, to your point of you kind of were hinting at, head coaches and experience, one of the people that I'm seeing uh, – Stumped for on the Jets beat is none other than Mike McCarthy, who we were talking about earlier and in his Packers team. Mike McCarthy obviously fired on Sunday right after the embarrassing loss to the Cardinals. Obviously, he has a history of being chilly with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and him did not see eye to eye. The argument can be, and I think successfully made, that Aaron Rodgers just in terms of his abilities, is one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. Not in terms of the successes that he's had, the number of wins and that sort of thing, just in terms of the things that he can do on a football field. And while he is certainly starting to break down a little bit, I think that we're seeing that some. To have only won one Super Bowl with arguably the greatest quarterback to play the game in the last 20 years. And I mean, that's including Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, like all those folks. That's obviously the the biggest uh, strike against McCarthy. When I hear people talk about him, they say, oh, he'd be good with, uh, he'd be good with Sam Darnold. He'd bring stability. He's, he's won a Super Bowl. Like for me, I don't know about you, Josh, but I think it would be a terrible move. And I think it all boils down to the inefficiency in which he, ran the the Packers, same kind of decision-making problems that Todd Bowles has. And, and then it, in addition to that, the inability to see talent on his roster. And he's like the classic seniority meritocracy. I don't know what, what to say. Like, he's the kind of guy who would play a washed-up Jordy Nelson or a washed-up Randall Cobb over younger, more promising players or would see mirages in players like Jamal Williams and not look at the talent profile of someone like Aaron Jones just because he came out of a, a smaller program or whatever. And so what I see in Mike McCarthy, and I'm curious to get your reaction, is someone who had a team win in spite of his coaching, not because of his coaching. Thoughts? Totally. Yeah, so I, I, I am I am firmly on the side of, if you can't make things work well with Aaron Rodgers, then I'm not sure that I want you as my head coach. And so clearly to me, a lot of what's happened in Green Bay over, over the last few years, maybe more attributed to their you know front office and scouting department, just getting talent on the field in a way that Mike McCarthy really couldn't hold up. And so... The Aaron Jones Jamal Williams thing has been crazy to me. Even as a fantasy owner, I'm in a dynasty league, and I've owned Aaron Jones for three years now, <laughs> waiting for like, can you just let the guy who's better play instead of doing this timeshare right. thing? If you um, can see it, if you can see it, and their head coach can't, and it took him to yeah. week eight or whatever to figure it out, like, yeah. 
that coach has problems. Totally. And, you know, even a guy like, I mean, he, he, he's a surly guy. He's the half-sentence responses after games. I mean, you know, I understand that the NFL, you know, media is going to be the NFL media. But, you know, if, if, if you're having trouble with the Green Bay media, which feels like everybody in that town just oh wants the goodness. goodwill of the team and the goodwill yeah. of the coach, imagine him with, like, Manish. Like, imagine that guy sitting around the table with, you know, Costello and all the guys right. like, trying to give him quotes and figure these things out. That's part of it. The other part of it, too, just feels like you don't empower the guy that was surly somewhere else because he's going to come in and be, like, twice as surly. He's going to look at this as, like, a confirmation that he is a really great head coach. When really, honestly, you had Aaron Rodgers, you know, and even that Super Bowl run in 2009 or eight, whatever year it was, was really an Aaron Rodgers, in, like, an epiphany of that man's talent. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that Sam Darnold is going to be that type of player. I don't even know that I want Mike McCarthy training, you know, a, a young Sam Darnold. I, I think that, you know, an Aaron Rodgers is a once-in-a-generation talent, and that guy for 10 years feels like he's been at odds with his quarterback. And so I don't want that guy in the building. I don't feel like that's the guy you bring in. Um, but, yeah, I, from a talent, I mean, just from an X's and O's, I don't know that, they ever had a great scheme. They just had a quarterback who could make incredible plays time and time again and kind of, you know, always have exciting victories happen. And so um, he doesn't feel like a great tactician, doesn't feel like a great media guy, certainly doesn't seem like a guy that understands when clear, good, you know, just get the best talent on the field. Doesn't seem like he was that guy either. I mean, he's running Ty Montgomery at running back for two years with Aaron Jones just sitting on the bench waiting. So, like, I don't know that that's the guy we want in the building. I don't know that he gets all the credit for the resume of the last 10 or 12 years in Green Bay either. So, um, no, please, no, I do not want, like, McCarthy uh, joining us in East Rutherford. <laughs> Okay. Good. Yeah. So I think I think we're I think we're aligned on that, which is which is good. But yeah, I think the the big thing there is if he if he is running a well run stable organization with one of the greatest quarterbacks inefficiently, what is he going to do with this organization? Yeah, yeah. My it's so easy to do. Like that's the thing that's fascinating to me is like it's so easy to do this kind of logic. Like you know, take something. Look at the results, inefficiency, and now scale those results in a more inefficient system. Like, it's inefficient times inefficient equals inefficient squared, right? Like, that kind of a thing. And so it's like, it's easy for me to see the outcomes. I don't necessarily have all the answers around who I think the right person is. And so I am curious to talk a little bit about that, like, real quick. Is there, you mentioned Lincoln Riley, you mentioned Bionami, like, is there one player that you're player one coach that you're holding out hope for that you would say oh boy i would really like that person or is it too early yet and that's okay if you don't have an answer i have a couple answers uh but i'm just curious if there's one person that you've been following over the last couple years or maybe have been tipped off on in some article you've read in the last couple weeks that you're like oh boy i think that person would be great yeah so the, the one name and this is a little bit off the radar he's becoming a little bit more um well known at this point in some of these circles I don't know if Jets fans are aware. So there's a there's a coach right now on the Dallas Cowboys. His name he's a he's a he's a secondary he's coach. Jason Garrett. Oh no! No, <laughs> bring in the clapper, baby. Right. Bring the clapper in. No, no, no. Um, a guy named Chris Richard, young guy. Um, he's he's a secondary coach. Um, he's also been like a passing game coordinator, co-defensive coordinator, kind of all these like different titles. Really, just seems like he's just this influential defensive guy. 
And so uh, Richard, yeah, Chris Richard. He used to be with the, to be with the, the Seahawks. Um, the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So young guy. It, it's an interesting name. I know it would feel like, wait, well, why would we go back to a defensive coach? Because I actually think that is a shaking, shaking up the the the, the feel of, of of the Jets in a way that, you know, you bring in a guy like that, but then you bring in a stud offensive guy, and you, mm. I'm not saying you let him co-lead the team. I think you make Chris Richard your head coach and then um, potentially um, bring in just a really strong offensive mind that's not going to challenge him for that position. You know, maybe there's a guy like a Jeff Tedford who might just right. come in and, and be an offensive coordinator with him. Um, being young, I think he's under 40. There's just, like, can we get away from the mid-50s guy I was done six things like just the traditional resume and go, you know what? We've got a really good, a lot of studs at a lot of great positions defensively. The scheme's never really made sense. Can we let loose an inventive defensive mind? Maybe make this just a really strong defensive team and then just have competent, someone, a Jeff Tedford, who for years was the quarterback whisperer. Um, I think he actually even also coached, um, I think he coached Aaron Rodgers at Cal. So, you know, a guy like that, maybe there's a guy that would come in and say, I will take kind of like the one C to the, you know, the number one um, guy making decisions on the football side of the room. And so, I don't know. It's interesting to me. I, I don't think that'll be how they actually do this. But, you know, at this point, I don't know that I love a guy like John DeFilippo. I don't know that I love um, some of the other guys that are, their names are being thrown around. They're, they're okay options. And I think that they're, the Jets are going to make a decision to potentially go back to a traditional thing. I think John Harbaugh is going to be the likely guy that they're going to go after the hardest. But, man, what, how fun would it be to have a guy like Chris Richard, just super young, super energetic, and he and Jamal could strike up a really great friendship. He and Leonard could strike up a really great friendship. Um, Tremaine John, like all these guys would be, I think, instantly energized by a guy that has more of just that player's feel um, and then figure out the offensive side as a team. How fun would that be, Brian? Come on. That'd be pretty fun. And fun fact, Chris Richard was one of the coaches that the Jets considered. If you remember like Rex Ryan's lame duck year, he had that like last year. Where, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> the last lame duck year. Sorry, I should have specified. <laughs> uh, so that last year before they, when they were not sure whether they were going to keep him or fire him, Richard was one of the names that was seriously considered by the team as a potential candidate. I can't remember the other one off off the top of my head. It was another young, defensive minded coach, um, and so so yeah, I, I'm not gonna. I think I think Richard would be a interesting candidate. I do think though that they're. I'm kind of sick of the young, upcoming assistant, uh, whatever defense coordinator kind of person. But I do like. Richard, and I mean, and he was massively influential in the building of the Legion of Boom. So, for that, like alone, I would consider him. That said, like I think someone who would be—I'll give mine—which is Dan Campbell. Uh, Dan Campbell is the offensive coordinator for the Saints, so he has ties, obviously, to Sean Payton, who runs a pretty tight ship. I would say, I think, other than. Other than the Patriots and maybe a couple other organizations, like they're one of the tightest run organizations in the league right now. So he's been able to to watch that uh, as the offensive coach. You know, obviously you have Drew Brees; it's pretty good. But I certainly think he's someone who I would like to see. He's young; he's about forty, forty-two, something like that. And yeah, and so I mean, I think the ties to Parcells would play well in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's lots of reasons why I think he could be an interesting. Uh, potential person. That that's my choice. So he does he does run a pretty tight ship. It's a gaming ship, yeah. but it's a pretty tight ship. 
We run a tight ship here. Super tight. So tight that it's super clean right now. The floor, it's because I mopped it all and used simple green and like bleach and everything else and it still smells. I did pressure wash the bottom of my shoes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who does that? It's not a container ship, is what you're saying. You're saying it's a gate. Correct. The, That's the, an arrested uh, development quote for any of our well, our, our well TV'd people out there. I forget that. What what is that from? That's Job. When Job takes over and and he's telling Michael he runs a pretty tight ship, and oh. Michael says that's a pool table, and he goes, "Well, it's a gaming ship." Oh. <laughs> They're putting holes in the wall. They are. Playing yes. pool. No, I, was, I love it. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. He feels like you've been sucking off this family for far too long. And that if you don't start pulling your weight around here, it's going to be shape up or ship up. Before we go, this is this has always been great and more expansive than I ever expect, which is always fun. Let's talk quickly about the bills. If it were up to you, Josh, if you're in the front office of this team, do you want Sam Darnold to play? If I'm in the front office, I... You're about to be fired, so who cares? But Yeah, if I'm in the front office right now, I don't know what my job title is and, and whether I should keep my desk packed up at all times. I will say, yeah, I, I don't understand if he's healthy, why he's not playing. That seems very mm-hmm. suspicious decision from Todd Bowles, and so I'd be curious. Maybe we'll get an answer you know, around the time we find out who shot JFK and um, why Arrested Development was canceled from Fox, but I would love to know why this guy is not seeing the field right now. I don't truly understand it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that um, we get an answer clearly. If, if I'm in the front office, I think I'm trying to, you know, getting Sam Darnold on the field just feels like the natural thing to do. And so I wouldn't understand it. And so I think I would hope for things to make sense in my organization um, because if it doesn't, then it probably means my job. But it is, man, one of the weirdest things I've seen is, um, why we keep running Josh McCown out when seemingly Sam Darnold's healthy, and you know I, I appreciate from Sam Darnold he's not you know, he's not ripping top bowls, he's not making comments, he's um, maybe carefully just trying to get through the end of this season and hope that you know he will be freed for next season with a different coach. But yeah, it's it's curious to me, Brian. I'm not totally sure why it's happening, but I, as a fan, I want to see him on the field. I don't understand why we wouldn't put him out there. Yeah, I, I agree. Let let him play. Let him get reps. The more he sees the field, the more likely he is to progress. The progression between first and second year is the most advantageous for the quarterback position. And the more time he sees now, it will only help him later. All right. Uh, what about this Bills team? So, essentially, their, their defense has been amazing. Their offense is actually, believe it or not, worse than the Jets, which is quite an accomplishment. But their offense is worse worse than the Jets. So, what do you think? Like, how does this game play out? Do you, do you think the their defense shuts down our offense, and both of uh, and their and their offense can't make good? I mean, they just jettisoned Kelvin Benjamin. Zay Jones is their is their new hotness. What happens in this game? How do you think it plays out? Yeah, well, if the last few weeks have taught us anything, it's that Josh Allen is the most incredible athlete on the planet. Um, so I, I fully expected, you know, for them to, to have probably a similar game plan that the Titans had with a guy like Josh mm-hmm. Allen on the field. So that seems like pretty typical what's going to happen. I don't, I, Kelvin Benjamin, it's addition by subtraction, right? I mean, that guy couldn't 
make it work with Cam Newton. Clearly couldn't make it work in Buffalo this season. And so, um, you know, even with a guy like Zay Jones, who maybe isn't as big of a name for, for most football fans out there, he's 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 going to torch the Jets on Sunday. Like, let's let's be honest. We know that that's going to happen. Um, their, their defense is really good. And so, I, you know, I, I do legitimately worry about the Jets' ability to move the ball. I don't think the Titans' defense was anything special. We at least moved the ball, like I mentioned, ended in a lot of field goals. But, um, you know, the Jets are going to really have to come out with a strong offensive scheme. Um, that surely won't happen um, with Jeremy Bates making those decisions. But, you know, I do feel like this could be one of those weird 38 to 32 games. It could also be like six to three. And I, I really have no feel for which, which game we're getting on Sunday. Um, but I do feel like no one's going to watch it except for me, you and Travis. And I think maybe a handful of <laughs> Bills fans, if they don't, you know, put all of their heads through plastic tables during their, uh, during their tailgate time outside the stadium. So um, I, I don't really know if that's, I don't know if that's the expertise answer our, our audience is looking for, but I could see I could see the weird, crazy, everybody's scoring points, there's a million things happening, and I could also see four, 45 punts. And so, you know, it's going to be anything and everything in between. Um, Josh Allen worries me. Their defense worries me. Um, on our side of the ball, I, I don't really know what to expect. I'm hoping Leonard Williams gets, you know, active here and gets a little bit freed up from some of the double teams he's been seeing recently and can make some plays and maybe go chase Josh Allen down a couple times. Um, maybe Tremaine Johnson comes up with a big play again. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if this will be close or far. I think um, I think most people probably won't be watching this game anyway. I'll be glued to it. I'm just curious to see now in the last few weeks how this team will finish out the season. Um, are they going to fight to the end? Are they going to kind of give up a little bit? I think this game will be very telling. I think if they get behind early, you know, there's yeah. the potential of just feeling like they're just going to pack it in. And you know, maybe this is the actual week where Todd Bowles gets fired. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I could be convinced of both both outcomes. I think Zay Jones will be the focus of the offense, as you, as you point out, because they, they think they've discovered gold. Uh, I don't know that Zay Jones is gold. He might be more fools than gold. But uh, but regardless, that he's going to be the focus of the offense, and you – the thing you cannot do is let Zay Jones go against Morris Claiborne deep in one-on-one situations. So I think if you can roll a safety towards Jones in kind of deep pass situations, that's where Josh Allen likes to go with the ball. That will help the Jets. Also, Josh Allen has been great with his legs, and so it, you have to have some sort of spy situation set up on Allen because that's a big part of the damage that he's done um, as a rookie and why he's gotten, you know, warm, let's say, because he's not hurting anybody with his accurate passes, right? It's not, it's not his pinpoint th- frozen ropes that are, that are killing teams. It's work with his legs and deep bombs. And so, so I think it's pretty formulaic to set up. And so this is kind of one of those, like, this is the, okay, Todd Bowles, this is your last, 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 seriously last referendum on are you a good coach so if you can figure out a way to shut down josh allen okay good for him i still think he's fired but at the same point if he can't figure out josh allen we've got bigger problems and right so the jets need to focus on offense that's where the the work needs to be put in i just don't think that they have enough talent to to make it happen against this defense so it will be a stalemate i think it will be close i think it will come down to a field goal and right turnovers will decide the game or some freak play will, will decide the game. And so since you're cheering for them losing, I, I, 
I think you're hoping the ball bounces. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go, Bills Mafia. I'm, I'm in the same with you. Yeah, you're jumping on the table. You're you're jumping on the table right now. Uh, awesome. Well, great. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time this week. Appreciate it. Travis is actually. I got a text from him. He's heading to a construction site, so uh, working on some things. So that's all good. Can, just for one second, you could have filled that sentence in with anything. Thing and I would have believed you. Travis's life <laughs> is like Mad Libs. Travis is currently in blank. You could fill it in with on a steamship headed toward the Philippines. You could fill it in with is opening a new restaurant in the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Travis is currently on a panel at South by Southwest talking about chili peppers. Like I would believe anything about our boy Travis's life. <laughs> That's what it's like. Yeah, he lives that he lives that life, man. That chef life. It's pretty good. It's all about that chef life. That's right. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is There's Always Next Year. We'll catch you next week. See ya.